0: Welcome everyone to another fine episode of Sake Deep Dive. I am your host, Jim Ryan, sake writer, sake nerd, sake reader, sake studier, uh, joined as always by my co-host and a good friend, Andrew Russell. Andrew, how are you doing tonight?
1: Good, Jim. Good. Good, good to be here. As you know, this is a this is the big one for me, so uh, <laughs> very very excited.
0: Yeah, yeah. Andy's been raring to go on this topic for a while. Andy, let's just go for it. What is what is our topic for this episode?
1: We are talking tonight about Kimoto. We're and... talking
0: about Kimoto. And I understand that you have a very, very specific goal in mind. What are we gonna do with Kimoto tonight, Andy?
1: Well hopefully what we're gonna do is once and for all define what kimoto actually is because it is actually very very rare where you get the correct description of what characterizes kimoto style of making moto
0: so we're going to get philosophical we're going to carve away all of the the nonsense and we're going to get to the on zish we're going to get to the thing itself expose the beating heart of Kimoto. Uh, Kimoto. Just to just to make sure that our listeners are all on the same page. Let's talk about what the legal definition and the textbook definition and all of that sort of outside stuff is when we talk about Kimoto. What do most people think of?
1: So let's just get the legal definition out of the way first. There is no legal definition <laughs> for Kimoto. Yeah, the, the labeling laws are effectively no more than than an agreement, I guess, an unwritten agreement between brewers that if you're brewing with you know kimoto or yamahai or Bodaimoto then that's actually what you brew with kimoto though you don't always get kimoto by the the modern definition i suppose you are likely sometimes to get yamahai what we're actually hopefully going to talk about tonight is actually explain why they're the same thing but starting with kimoto the textbook definition, you're very likely to hear about putting rice, water, and koji into a, a shallow tub, usually wooden, and two people at opposite ends are going to basically pulverize the ingredients into a puree. That is really the this, this sort of poster for kimoto. You might hear about sake being more gamey or uh, more tart more high acidity. Being honest, these are flavour profiles that you're very likely to find with Kimoto, but not not all the time. But that, roughly, is what you're going to hear for Kimoto. And then for Yamahai, what you're likely to hear as a follow-up to that, the Yamahai method, you don't need to do that pole mashing that I mentioned before. The, the name comes from that. So, Yamahai is short for uh, Yamaoroshi Haishi which in Japanese means to, to, to cease the pole mashing. And that is where actually a lot of the confusion comes into this, because technically that is right. That is what the name means.
0: Right, and the Yamaha name, of course, has its own kind of baggage to it. But I think it might be a good idea to talk a little bit about the Kimoto name, uh, what it means and where it comes from. The, the name is made up of two characters. We've got Ki and Moto. Motō is the the yeast starter, the shubo, the, the thing that comes before the fermentation mash. Now, but the ki is really interesting because the Japanese character is the same as for nama, which could mean all kinds of things like fresh, alive. Here it's pronounced ki, which has a nuance of life, but I have to admit, like in my research, I never really got a good sense that that we know where that name came from but what about you andy can you shed some light on that because i i can't
1: well this is really where we start to get to the, the nucleus of kimoto in the kanji that they chose that actually gets to the real core of what defines all of these type of moto so that is when we talk about the Kimoto family, so Yamaha, Kimoto, all the newer styles like Akita Kimoto. The name is uh, Metomi. If you look at the kanji, you're right, it's, it's the kanji which, I think if you put it into a dictionary, it's going to say something like life and birth and genuine, that kind of thing. But in Japan, they use it a lot for fresh or live. So Namazake, you know, Nama gets that kanji as well which causes a lot of confusion on labelling, actually, especially (laughs) if you don't know the moto one. But the kanji in this case is, it reveals a lot about its true meaning. So there's one stage in in all of these types of moto, which is called utase, that's what they call it now anyway, that's a a brewing term. But you don't really hear it mentioned very often, which is, so when you've finished however you do it, whether you're pulverising the rice in these hangiri, or whether you've got them all gathered together with lots of water for the yamahai method one thing you have to do because you're not adding lactic acid or commercially bought lactic acid you need to make that fermentation of lactic acid and it, to do that you need to keep the temperature very very low back when it was called kanmoto it was thought that you could only do this in the winter it was it was purposely designed for winter brewing. And what you would do is, once all the ingredients are together, you keep that temperature as low as possible for about three or four days. And what that does is it allows the, the rice and the koji to work their magic, but without the interference of yeast. Now, you if, if the temperature was high at that point, the yeast would jump ahead and start to ferment. And you definitely don't want that because you're gonna get all kinds of different yeast that are coming in ambiently at that point and doing their thing. And that's not what you want in sake brewing. You want a focused, strong yeast that's gonna take you into the next stage, you know, when you get to the the main mash. So you inhibit that by keeping the temperature as low as possible. And then that period is called utase. And then after that, once you have this lactic acid fermentation completed, and there's a safe environment, would only be a strong yeast that could survive. So it would drop in, and then you would start your main fermentation, and the, the moto gets raised from there. So that period is called utase, but at that point, the liquid, what you refer to the moto is namamoto, and it's the same kanji as kimoto. Now, they don't know for sure, but the highest probability is that's where they took the name from so namamoto is a defining characteristic of kimoto so when they came up with the name they used kimoto so it's the same kanji with a different reading essentially
0: all right so at the end of utase it's called namamoto the mash is called namamoto yes okay so after utase then they start to i guess heat it back up to, to allow the yeast to start doing its thing, this this really hardy yeast this it survived the the battle of the fittest. Yeah, there are there are other stages that, that come into play, I guess. Right. So in the traditional style, you've got the uh, yama oroshi and then uh, you have the utase. After that, you've got uh, what is it, dakiire, which is yeah. the, the slow heating. Which of those is different? I guess. So is is the utase the only thing that's not shared?
1: you can actually simplify it from this because I'm talking about brewing terms like potassium mm-hmm. things. These are, these are not typically things that you're going to see, you know, in, in any kind of the back of a label or even in a textbook description of kimoto. But if you think about, if you take that concept of controlling the temperature at a low temperature and then as you quite rightly said, once you reach a certain stage where the yeast starts to propagate, there's a number of ways you do it, but typically you would do it with a, with a, a, a daki-daru. Um, take that all as, as a whole, and what you've got is effectively temperature control. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there is another word for kimoto-kei, so another word that kind of gets unofficially used, you hear it a lot more with brewers, and it's called sodate-moto. yeah. So, and as, as you'll know, Sodate is from the verb sodaru in Japanese, which means to raise. And this is the key thing. If you take something like, well, take either of them, take kimoto or take yamahai, you raise that moto. You're putting the ingredients together and then you're, you're raising it right the way through in, until its completion. Now you could say well Andy you do the same thing with sokujo, but you don't really you're adding in commercially bought lactic acid but yeah, if you think uh, of uh, it I'm in that way of sodaru to to raise the moto
0: uh, absolutely sodatemoto is such a descriptive term and it and it really drives home a lot of uh, you know the the importance of this really slow methodical method um and i I actually honestly think that's probably a good time to to get into that right so what is the process how do we grow and raise and develop this motto
1: sure it's, it's a very difficult topic to to summarize because you could branch off into each little process and you know talk about that for for hours however the purpose of omoto essentially is to propagate a, a healthy colony of, of yeast. The difference between Kimoto or kimotoke and Sokujo is there's a lot more that you have to, to do before you can get to that stage. So it, it essentially, first and foremost, you, you need to get a lactic bacteria fermentation. Now, without doing that, you're not going to get a healthy colony of yeasts full, full stop. So so this is why the Kimoto or Kimoto-kei, the wider family, are kept at a low temperature early on, which is which is a, a very obvious difference between Sokujo and the other motos that we're talking about, the, the Kimoto family. And the, the reason you, you, you do that is to make sure you're not, getting a yeast fermentation happening too early before that lactic bacteria has has had a chance to get settled into the into the motto with the lactic bacteria comes lactic acid and the lactic acid is essential this is what they really didn't understand back in the the edel period they just knew that if you did something then something else would happen or hopefully it would but essentially The key thing that they didn't really understand yet was the lactic bacteria fermentation. Now, what the lactic acid does is it basically clears out all the unwanted microorganisms in the moto. And with kimoto, you you have to do that yourself. Now, some modern versions of kimoto, you can actually add the lactic bacteria and you can do the lactic bacteria to lactic acid fermentation yourself. That's something that's becoming quite popular in, in these sort of more modern takes on chemo though. But with traditional ones, you keep the temperature low, you wait for that to happen. And then only when you have a nice lactic environment will a good strong yeast be able to, to survive. That's the, the point that you want to get it at before you decide whether you're adding yeast. Of course in the past they wouldn't have done that, or you're doing it, you know, naturally. So, you know, what they call Yanitski Kobo, translated roughly as yeast that hangs from the rafters. So that that is essentially what you what you have to do to take it to the point of yeast coming into
0: the tank. So basically what we hear is is the core, the, the thing that makes kimotoke both what we understand as Yamahai and what people sort of imagine is Kimoto, is that lactic it, bacterial fermentation, right?
1: Y- yes and no. I mean, Bodaimoto, you do that lactic acid fermentation as well. You know, Bodaimoto, mm-hmm. it starts by making Soyashimizu, yeah. water that's, that's got a high concentration of mm-hmm. lactic acid. But the difference between Kimoto and Bodaimoto, is with bodai moto, you're doing that as a separate process. It doesn't get done in, you know, in, in a s- sequential order like it does with kimoto. Which is why bodai moto was was very very suited for summer brewing. Because bear in mind, back then, mm-hmm. they didn't just make sake in the winter. This 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 was done purely for you know laws that the, the Tokugawa shogun introduced in the early Edo period. You know they used to brew all year round and Mm -hmm. bodai-moto was the warm weather moto when they when they realized that you know winter brewing was was you know become a thing that's when they started to develop kimoto what they call uh, kanzukuri that's why they actually believed that you could only make moto in in the winter some people still you know they'll wait until the the temperatures at its coldest for the season and that's when they'll start doing it. So you don't make the lactic acid at the beginning, you do it in process and it's it's done by keeping the temperature low at first so that yeast can not jump ahead and get started because you don't want any old yeast. You want a strong yeast that's gonna go forward and be able to carry a fermentation for 15 to 30 days. So you have to give that yeast whatever it may be the best start in life in the best environment and how you do that is by having a lactic
0: bacteria fermentation to make lactic acid okay so then where does this uh, this practice of, of you know grinding the the rice to a paste with poles come from like what is it what role does that play Um, It does play a very important one, and you have to take a little step
1: back before that. There are processes that you do before you do the pole mashing. So the the first one would be what they call ikimeshi. Uh, It it translates literally as buried rice. What, What you do is, when you're making conventional sokojo, you want the rice in a certain condition. That's why everything is done the way it's done. Effectively, what you're doing is when the rice comes out of the, uh, the rice steamer, you're looking for hard on the outside and soft on the inside, what they call gaiko nainen. It gets the rice in an optimum condition for both koji, but also for putting into to a mash to ferment away. Generally speaking, it will obviously be completely different from brewer to brewer, what they're aiming for in moisture contents, and temperatures, etc., and it'll depend on what they're making as well. But generally what they're looking for is hard on the outside, soft on the inside. With kimoto, they do that slightly differently. They'll actually take out the rice from the rice cooker, they'll wrap it in a cloth, and then they'll leave it for several hours until it's obviously very, very cool, but also hardened on the inside and the outside. That's called ikimeshi. Now, ikimeshi helps. When you're doing mototsuri or yamaroshi, because it gives it that much more durability. But it's actually later where the, the, the real purpose of ikimeshi comes in. But yeah, you're right, yamaroshi, and this is where I think some of the confusion happens with kimoto. Yamaroshi is merely the most modern way of getting starch to sugar conversion going effectively that is also very very important in the process as well obviously without that starch the sugar conversion then you're you're gonna have nothing to to ferment and yamao is one way of priming the rice to do that
0: right so what what this means is then you're actually just doing a physical kick start to the sacrification process which is what obviously koji is all there for right and I'm curious. So that process happens before lactic bacterial fermentation. So obviously, yes. that's that's what the bacteria is also fermenting at first, right? So you're preparing the road. You're you're just sort of kickstarting it. Now, Yamaha then eliminated that physical process. What's the difference there? What does Yamaha do instead of Yamaha? To put
1: it in the, the simplest terms. What Yamahai does, or what defines Yamahai, is the use of water, specifically warm water, rather than that method of pole mashing. That That's where the name came from, you know, Yamahai, Yamaroshi Haishi. But that's where I think a lot of the confusion comes in. That seems to imply that Kimoto is defined by Yamaroshi, but... It it isn't. There was was a million different ways to get that certain process. It's just one stage that's necessary to kind of kickstart that starch to sugar conversion. But one way of doing it is the Yamaha method. So it's actually easier to forget the name and think of it more as in terms of the water, the role of the water. So rather than doing the pole mashing, you're putting warmed water into the mash, which gives it that acceleration that we talked about yeah and that is specifically why yamaha is more difficult to make there's a higher failure rate it has nothing to do with you know the labor or anything that so many people often associate that with but if you've got a higher volume of water going into a moto that has no yeast colony yet, and what you're trying to do obviously is is wait for that lactic acid fermentation, then there's much more risk that there's a contaminant in the water that can then make something go bad. So in my experience, my brief experience with, with making Yamaha, that's where the risk comes in. And that's where brewers are really put to the test when they're making yamaha this thing they talk about called Hayawaki, which is the fermentation kick starting too soon before it's in a safe environment and then what you have is an undesirable yeast that's running off into the distance which you don't want and that that's the big risk with Yamahai, and that specifically is why as i said i'll always maintain yamaha is the harder of the two again it primes the rice so that that starch to sugar conversion can begin so in, in many ways it's just another way of doing that you know ticking that box this is not a simple operation there are mm-hmm. there are many things that you have to juggle at the same time that's the you know the beauty of sake brewing so yeah that is essentially the difference between yamaha and kimoto so when we were making Yamahai, are we also using ikemeshi? Yes, I heard um, someone who's very, very famous for making kimoto, not yamahai. It was only when I heard them explaining it that the penny finally dropped. The, the reason for ikimeshi is not specifically to do with Yamaroshi. It's to do with later on. If you've got that hardened rice, and bear in mind you, you are going to either pulverize this with poles, or you're going to mix it by hand or you're going to heat it with water you don't want it to melt too much because if it melted too much uh, you know what they call tokasu mm-hmm. in in japanese then it's going to be very very liquefied in the moto now that can sometimes be good later in the in the main mash but with a kimoto style of moto you want it to be kind of thick and lumpy and the the explanation i had again from someone who who does this every year is that that is harder for the unwanted microorganisms they, they don't like it as much whether it, if it was a, a very you know loose liquid they really don't like that kind of lumpy type of environment so it's another way of protecting the mash the, the high risk element you know, Yamaha, Kimoto, not Bodai Moto, Bodai Moto is actually once you get to that stage a lot safer. But those Kimoto style moto, there is a period where they're vulnerable, that low temperature period where there isn't a healthy yeast fermentation going on. Because bear in mind, a healthy yeast fermentation, that's actually what protects the mash. When you've got that healthy colony of yeasts coming. Other yeasts can't then drop in and spoil the party because there's this very very strong dominant yeast already in there. So that's actually the reason why they
0: do ikimeshi. That's where that sort of sodatemoto conversation comes in. Sodatemoto, you're you're raising a colony. You're raising all of these microorganisms to to ferment in the mash or in the moto, and then later in the mash.
1: Yeah, so, so Moto to, to me is just a much more apt name for, for the Kimotoke family. It, it's too late now to go back and change names and things, but there does seem to be confusion that comes from the naming. I'd mentioned a, a while ago on a blog that, I don't know this for a fact, but you could almost assume that back when that, that Moto Roshi technique was first, or Mototsuri was first, discovered people might have maybe you know put their nose up to it you know it was a fast way of making kimoto it saved time it was a it was a quick shortcut effectively from all these other methods that had been tried and tested before so so yeah so seems to be just a, a much more descriptive way when you when you learn that that word
0: just means to raise in japanese you mentioned that, that there are several other ways, that more time-tested ways before the, the Yamaroshi. Off the top of your head, can you name a couple of them? Yeah, I mean, of course the,
1: the most simple one would be Temoto, which is you know, for anyone who speaks Japanese will know this means hand moto. Going back to my favourite book, the Domo Shuzoki, they mention Temoto and the reason that they, they do it by by hand is if you didn't then mould would grow on the on the rice so they had to mix it by hand and temoto is still actually a brewing term for when you when you make kimoto depending on how you're making it the initial process when you have that koji water and steamed rice being added into the into the wooden what they call hangiri that process they now call that temoto but for for another example very Interesting for where I work is there is a process called Girimoto. Now, Girimoto is uh, incidentally what Miura Sensaburo used in Hiroshima. And there's the old story where Miura Sensaburo wanted to, to try and replicate the great sake, the famous sake of Nada. And he actually went to Nada to learn how they were doing it. And I, I guess we can kind of extrapolate that that's where he picked up the know-how to do that but they call that girimoto and it's basically using a daki which jim can you can you help me out with the translation on that
0: a daki daru you're, you're talking about a daki daru yes daki means kind of warm and daru is another word for cast or barrel but these these it's basically like a, a wooden enclosed keg it's sealed at the top with a handle at the top and you can fill it with hot water or cold water or even ice if you want to, to help control the temperature of your, your mash. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah,
1: yeah that, that's pretty pretty close. Yeah, It's very important for making
0: kimoto and, and
1: very good that you mentioned that you can put ice and hot water in them because with kimoto you tend to need both. In the early stages, you're trying to keep that temperature cool. That daki is the characteristic technique, I suppose, for Girimoto, and there are actually a few breweries today, and one is Nihon Zakari from Nada, a massive, giant brewery, I mean, one of the biggest in Japan, and if you look on their website, they have a little bit about Girimoto, and it was, I believe, don't quote me on this, but it was a Tamba Toji, it was Tamba men that, you know, first came up with Mototsuri as well, or as far as we know anyway, but yeah, girimoto is another one where they use a daki, you know, rather than the water that you would use in Yamahai, they use a daki to to do that starch to sugar fermentation. So to me, girimoto it sounds like the bridge between mm-hmm. kimoto and yamahai. These are all just you know personal observations, right? But yeah, that would be that would be to Temoto and Girimoto. It, it, the uh the
0: Sudatemoto term really is 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 a a compelling one because like like you said you know it it means to raise and and it means to raise like you would raise a child or raise like you would raise something in the garden Uh, it means to nurture nurture yeah so you're you're taking it from nothing and making it into something more complete, like a living creature, which is, I think, even if that wasn't how they thought of it back then, it's certainly how we kind of think of it now. It's this ecosystem where if this lactic acid fermentation is going on, there's, there's all kinds of anaerobic fermentation, these bacteria are doing all kinds of things to, uh, to create a, a very specific environment conducive to very, very strong yeast. It's pretty amazing
1: yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of a miracle really i know it's not but it i think i described it once as it's like a game of thrones (laughs) You you, you you know you start these simple ingredients together and then the kind of battle commences and then hopefully at the end you know as i said you know it starts and one fermentation starts and then the, the next one can't start without that one, and but it ends up killing the previous one and, and it kind of moves up a level. And then, you know, hopefully at the end of it all, what you have the last man standing is this healthy colony of yeast. So the fact that brewers back in the Edo period were were able to, to put all this together and not just put it all together, but develop it without any kind of understanding of what was going on, all the microorganisms that were battling it out before their eyes, is nothing short of staggering, to be honest. And, and surely one of the most appealing things to, to sake brewers, that they get to, you know, as you say, they get to a chance to raise one of
0: these things. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic stuff, John. And of course, the story does not end with Sokojo. We have an incredible variety of sake brewed using this Namamoto, this Kimoto. What I found uh, utterly fascinating is this sort of this conventional wisdom about it, that kimoto ke creates these really acidic, full, wild, funky flavors. I don't want to say it's wrong, but it's just a really, really small part of the picture. Modern Kimoto development has been so wild and diverse. There's, there's all kinds of stuff going on.
1: It really is problematic to try and define Kimoto or Yamaha or whatever. I mean, hopefully we've given it our best shot so far. What defines it is, is a very specific type of temperature control, but it's very, very hard to, to you know, say this is Kimoto or this is Yamaha there are some very, very experienced brewers that would say, no, that is not what kimoto means. And when you talk about high acidity or this kind of real sourness and what have you, yes, it's often the case, but that's not what they were trying to do back in the Edo period. That's not what the the goal was for these brewers. They weren't trying to make a style. They were simply trying to make a a vigorous fermentation that wouldn't spoil. The the spoilage rate back in those days was incredibly high. So they weren't saying like let's make kimoto because it's gonna have a nice sour tart aftertaste. They felt their way through these different styles and if they saw a way that they could maybe make things a bit easier or make things a bit stronger for men. You know, that was their kind of development goals, if you will, back then. And what we get to enjoy now is the benefit of hindsight, and we get to look back at all these different styles, and we get to try them all with comparatively less stress than they would have done. But the fact does remain, you do sometimes, or very often even, get these kind of gamey flavors with Yamaha and these sour, you know, kind of tart type flavors with with Kimoto. So there is some truth in all that, but it is just too broad, to, to try and define them all is something as simple, you know,
0: one one or two adjectives. Right. So, kimoto-kei Kimoto Kimoto-ke, then is what? I guess to put it in as complete a statement as possible. A kimoto ke sake is made with a starter mash that uh, nurtures the natural growth of bacteria for lactic acid and anaerobic fermentation through strict temperature control prior to yeast fermentation?
1: Basically, yeah. If you want a quick way to to remember it, unfortunately it is utase mm-hmm. which, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, even if you Google that word now, you're not likely to get much coming up.
0: I will say, if uh, anybody who's got the Hiroichi Akiyama book Sake, the essence of 2000 years of Japanese wisdom gained from brewing alcoholic beverages from rice in English, uh, it does mention Utase, page 61. Um, And that's about all I've found in English. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, in Japanese, you, you can find some discussion of it in Horie Shuji's book, Sake no Kitamichi, or Nihonshu no Kitamichi. There's some discussion on the Aramasa brew, brewing blog, but it's yeah, it's not a common topic at all.
1: Yeah, the, on, the only advice I would give to people that are trying to wrap their head around it in the most simple way possible is try and remember Sodatemoto instead you know, the, the raising moto part is is very, very key because like I said, the definition is very, very fluid and brewers are really free to, to do what they want with this. They're not working to the same strict guidelines as they are of say, the me Shoshu classifications. You can put kimoto on the label of a very diverse array of sake. So, you know, if you really want to kind of think of it as concisely as possible. Just think of it as a, as a motto that has, has been raised in that way. You don't necessarily need to remember the word utase or, or what it means, but the, the one defining characteristic is that cool period or very low temperature period while they're, they're waiting for the, the lactic acid fermentation to,
0: to start. So when we, when we look back, so we, we talked about that iconic image we talked about that iconic image of, of the yamaodoshi people pounding away at the, at the rice with those poles, but that's that's not the only way that that mechanical process happens. I know that like some of the more famous, I don't know, more prominent perhaps kimoto, like uh, like at Aramasa, they do not do any yamaodoshi. Right. They have they seal it in plastic bags and kind of crush it a little bit with their hands, but they don't do any serious pureeing of the of the rice, and they still call it kimoto because of this temperature control that they use to nurture that bacterial fermentation. Uh, Dasai when Dasai made a kimoto last year, I think it was. Was it last year? Yeah, it was twenty twenty. Um, they did the same they had plastic bags sealed temperature controlled bacterial fermentation i think e- even in the industry today there's this recommended recognition that the mechanical element of physically crushing the rice particularly with poles is not really essential there are of course people that still do that locally there's a brewery that, that every winter has people standing around on giri with their their poles, Taka, everybody's favorite Nagayama Honke Shuzojo in in Ube Yamaguchi. He uses the uh, Noguchi Naohiko method of a giant industrial. I think it's a paint mixer. Yeah, yeah, like like just it looks, the, it
1: looks like a chainsaw. It's,
0: from some it's, angles, but. it's crazy. So this idea that that you have to follow this one physical method is it's not really uh, representative of the style.
1: Yeah, th- this is where the lines are very much blurred nowadays because what you mentioned there about aramasa I actually think that's a fantastic way of doing it putting them in a, a sealed bag they wouldn't have thought to do that back then of course but what what you're doing is you're you're effectively giving it this closed environment to to do the essential part of starch to sugar conversion but you're not letting anything else come in so I guess the lactic acid germs i suppose the uh, new sound kin will come from the the koji but there'll be no nothing else coming in from outside
0: but yeah it's definitely a, a a much more controlled way of encouraging that that vital bacterial fermentation
1: right? yeah and what what you said about noguchi-san's method is is also very interesting i i think it is you know considered now part of the the noto guild's you know official you know method of making which is uh, yamahai
0: this is a method it's it's official to use a a paint blender that's awesome
1: (laughs) yeah i mean so many people are using it but this is where the the whole conversation gets so interesting though because you hear of that method which is called yamahai they don't call that kimoto and then you hear of and what you have up in Akita Prefecture, which they call Akita Kimoto, also uses one of these big drills to to the tank. And actually, you look at the process and it's very, very similar to Yamaha, not Kimoto. So, you know, I think that tells you enough about, you know, you look at these two methods that, that the lines are so blurred on what this is. If you really set out to buy a bottle of kimoto, you need to keep in mind, especially nowadays, and especially with these very creative brewers, you know, really pushing the boundaries of blending old methods with state-of-the-art methods, that what you're actually getting could be something completely different from the the image in your head of traditional brewers singing along in pairs, you know, ramming the rice and koji together in, in a wooden tub the possibility is it was you know made in a, a small steel tank with like as you said a handheld drill.
0: You just mentioned there that so for example the the Akita Kimoto is actually made in a process more similar to Yamaha. Can you can you kinda of illuminate that? What is what are some differences in the process? Between well I hesitate t-
1: slightly yeah. because I'm not I'm not fully aware of how they do it, but I saw a promotional video i guess from one of the brewers and at the time it struck me as very yamaha-esque so the fact that uh, once they've steamed the rice it gets put straight into to a stainless steel tank and from mm-hmm. that point that's when they start the umatic drills and that's when their temperature control starts and really as i said what what kind of separates Yamaha from kimoto is not the Yamaroshi Haishi. It's the use of water, high amounts of water okay. to warm up the, the... The, the, the mash. And that, without knowing the full details at the top of my head, that sort of struck a chord with me with Akita Kimoto. It just seemed like it was more along the lines
0: of Yamaha
1: than traditional Kimoto. Um, but I could be, could be wrong on
0: that. All right, so Andy, let's get to the most important point. What, what is your recommended Kimoto sake?
1: Well, th- this one again was, was a kind of no brainer for me. This was the first one that I considered, and I didn't consider any, any others. My recommendation would be Tamagawa Konotori Muroka Namagenshu. And it's very important to mention the Muroka Namagenshu because there are two versions of, of this. Firstly, Konotori means uh, oriental stork it's a very very large bird that inhabits the very northern region of the tango peninsula where tamagawa is and into hyogo prefecture as well and it's made with a i believe an organic rice strain sorry organic rice that it's kinder to the 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 frogs the newts that this bird feeds on hence the name it got the the konotori name but the it is kimoto Although I'm not sure what method of kimoto it is. Certainly, I've never seen any images of the brewers in Tamagawa doing motoroshi. So maybe it isn't motoroshi. I honestly don't know. Regardless, the sake is absolutely fantastic. And I, for me, that is the perfect representation of kimoto sake. It, it's hard to describe. It's really sour, but in a good way. <laughs> so it's sour and dry and very, very big boned. So the, the Murokanamagenshu, Genshu, the, the two versions that they have, they have a kind of literally watered down version, I think, that is about 16% ABV. The, the Murokanama Genshu is the, the, the real deal, though. I think it's about 22% ABV. Just that legal limit there it's just at the legal limit yeah every year it's like 21 to 22 so it is it just makes the cut for being seishu but it is just fantastic um, as is everything you want from a kimoto very very versatile brilliant with food you can, you can have it you know equally as enjoyably at very very high temperatures or nice and chilled it's good on the rocks because it's very, very high alcohol content and um, just, just a superb sake. And for me, anyone that wants to know what Kimoto can taste like, then, then that would be my recommendation.
0: Awesome. I, uh, I had to really think twice for this time, because I don't want people to, to actually start thinking that Gokyo is paying me. Although Gokyo Junmai Kimoto Kishikomi is an excellent sake. I am going to go with another Yamaguchi brewery that does do Yamaoroshi, Nakashimaya Shuzojo in Shunan City. I have mentioned them before, but they have a sub-label specifically for Kimoto. They have three sake in that uh, range. It is the Kane Naka range. It has a very, very distinct label. There's a, I don't even know how to call it, like a half square, like a the top bar and right side bar of a square. And inside that is the Japanese character for Naka, Kane Naka. And uh, I recommend the uh, Kimoto Jumai Karakuchi. It's a black label. It is bulletproof. Like it is, um, it's the kind of sake that, like you feel like you could leave it under your refrigerator for a year and bring it out and it just hasn't done anything. Like it's still as, as robust and exciting as it was when you put it under there. It, it, it is a dry sake and when you heat it up, it's like angels descending from heaven and and painting your palette with a beautiful beautiful rich flavorful brush so yeah well, this is... is
1: this is interesting jim because sorry break from form we normally wrap it up after yeah we've given our recommendations but but that's one common feature then between the two of them they are extreme they're both extremely robust i should have mentioned that in in my description the, you know, the fact that it's uh, Muroka Nama Genshu, this is unpasteurized sake. When you buy it, it's two years aged. So unpasteurized for a whole two years. I buy a bottle of this stuff every year and I never put it in the fridge. And my last bottle was an Isho bean and I had <laughs> quite a lot of other sake at the time. So it was open for about, I think, six months unrefrigerated and it, just got better and better. So, you know, when you said robust, maybe this is a take-home characteristic that we can say about, about kimoto, that typically they, they do tend to be drier. And I think that's got something to do with the, the very robust fermentation of the moto. But they also do say that kimoto yeast is strong as well because of what it goes through to, to get there compared to, say, sokojo, which is a much easier you know, a much easier ride, if you will, than Kimoto does. So yeah, dry, maybe typically drier and a lot more robust than Sokujo method.
0: Right. So yeah, in addition to that takeaway, I I think it's probably a good idea to go ahead and reiterate that this core um, that we discussed of what makes Kimoto Kimoto and what makes Yamaha Kimoto is the raising of bacterial fermentation before Yeast fermentation through strict temperature control. It's colder in Kimoto. It's warmer in Yamahai. But they both are aiming at the same thing: to create that bacterial environment that is uh, more conducive to hearty yeast fermentation. They get that right, Andy. That's yeah. That's you passed the test. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, so that's it for this episode of sake deep dive thank you so much for listening and if you like what you heard please do leave us a review tell your friends all about us Uh, check out our other stuff you can find me jim ryan on twitter at jim underscore d underscore ryan that's r i o n or at my sake website www.yamaguchisake.com that's all one word Andy, tell us about your stuff.
1: You can find me at my website, www.originsake.com. And there is a contact page and there's also links to my various social media channels as well.
0: We also do have a website at www.sakedeepdive.com where you can download episodes, find uh, links to your favorite podcast server and contact us. You can contact us with all kinds of things, questions, recommendations, uh, complaints. Uh, I prefer not, but hey, if you've got it, go ahead and share it. Please feel free to email us. And Kanpai. Kanpai.